Now, what's popping tonight? What is it? Let's bring DA into the conversation here. Welcome to Who Comma Is. Jason on the Athletic Podcast Michael Lee from the Athletic. The only reason that I started to like binge watching it was because they had a character on the show named Michael Lee. Right. Yeah, he's not David Aldridge. There's probably only two or three guys in the whole league that could step to James and say, pass the fucking ball. And Wasney Lambre. Even if you want to say, say. And so people are looking at him like, bro, if you can't shoot, what, what is your purpose? Yeah. Like, you couldn't make a like, shot. Couldn't make you a shot. You cannot introduce Carmelo Anthony Welcome back. Another episode of Hoops Adjacent. I'm David Aldridge. And as always, I'm joined by my man, Waz Lambre. Waz, what's up, boy? I'm good. I'm good. I'm chilling, man. How you doing? I am good. Our guest this week is Michael Lee from The Athletic. He covers the NBA. And when he has nothing better to do, he comes and covers the Wizards for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, it's, it's all good. It's all good. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah, thank you for coming, man. Thanks. Really appreciate yeah, thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. As always, Mike, I start with Waz teaching an old man what's going on in the world. Waz, how was your weekend, bud? Weekend was fantastic, actually. I was visiting New York. I went home for a few days, uh, spent the weekend in New York, Did went to a couple of birthday parties, group dinners, all of that, catch up with a bunch of people. New York was fantastic. It was still warm. Weather was perfect, not a drop of rain, sunshine yeah. the whole time. But as always with New York, it turned my pockets into sawdust. <laughs> I'm happy. God damn I'm happy to be back home and, and not doing the most. Oh, my God. I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you something. This is the first time in forever that I did not watch one second of the Emmy Awards. Didn't watch any of it, and I felt a certain kind of way about that. And I feel like is it because I don't I don't watch much TV, and I don't mean that like I, I feel like there's no good TV on. There's a lot of good TV on. I just know that as I am getting older, it's harder for me to binge watch, and it's harder for me to just de- devote four or five hours to catching up on a show because everybody says, oh, you got to watch Power. You gotta watch- First of all, you don't have watch. to watch if so, Power. What- okay. Yeah. It's going <laughs> to Is it? Is it not? Is it not what everybody's saying? It's not very The good. first two seasons were like entertaining and yeah. then it just became a caricature of itself. So yeah, a circus now, now it's, Yeah, now it's just ridiculous. Like, okay. So, so um, what, 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 what went wrong with it after year two? It just well, became very soap opera-ish. Yeah, like and, in the and, and the, yeah, and the fact how they keep escaping the law, like and still standing, and like right, you know, and it's they're in New York, and they they repeatedly shoot up buildings, like they shoot <laughs> buildings, and no one notices. Like, <laughs> like there's the never last, any damage uh, or anything. Yeah, you know? <laughs> there's damage all over the place. Like they shoot mean, up buildings, but nobody pays for it. You know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, David, like, here's my thing about the show. Like, the show's protagonist, um, Ghost or whatever, mm. he's a drug dealer and also a nightclub o- owner who is trying to go, quote unquote, straight. I see. And how they demonstrate this to you is by having him wear a suit in literally every single scene of the show. 
<laughs> like New York. First of all, like New York City nightclub owners do not wear suits. Right, right. They right, just right. do. That's not how that works. You get into that business so that you don't have to wear a monkey suit every single day. Right. Um. But but like that's the, that's the the show's way of showing you like, look, he's trying to get go straight. He's still selling drugs and involved <laughs> right. in murdering people, but he's always wearing a suit. Right. 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 It's right. lazy storytelling like that. That's you know pretty much the what the show is about to me. <laughs> so he's like Bumpy from the Cotton Club. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, like Bumpy Johnson from the Cotton Club. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yes, Jack Johnson <laughs> used to wear a suit in public back in the 1920s all the time. Right. But like, <laughs> nobody's doing that now. Like, this dude is wearing a suit and tie every single day in every single... Right. Like, it doesn't matter what he's doing, where he's going. He's wearing a suit and tie. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. If you want to get into a show, um, I would suggest Snowfall. Snowfall, okay. I've heard that was very good, too. Yeah. Snowfall yeah, is good. In, I enjoy that. Yeah, I'm, I just got into it, and uh, I mean, I watched the, the, the pilot, and I thought this was pretty good, but you know, I never got caught back up, and now, now I'm watching it, and it's it's it's, it's got my attention. So, but where do y'all find time to sit down and spend three or four hours catching up on a show? That's why I, I can't. I don't have. I can't devote like half of my day to it. I did that like one time. I even forget what the series was. It was probably <laughs> a million years ago. And I watched like eight episodes in a row and it was great because I caught up on it. But I felt like I felt like three years of my life had gone by after that. So, <laughs> yeah. See, so what do you what do you normally do on a plane like a like a cross country trip from oh, see, D.C. Bad. to L.A.? I'm bad on planes. This is part of my problem. I can't sleep. I don't nope. sleep on planes at all. And then I don't feel I don't feel comfortable enough to just pull out the laptop and catch up on a show or shows or something like that. I used to do that back in the day when 24 first came out because I liked 24 the first couple of years. And then that just that became whack, too, just like you say, Empower did. So I got I got yeah. out of it. But, yeah, I like to read on a plane. That's what I usually do. Mm, yeah, that's the time. Instead of feeding your brain knowledge, just poison, just drug dealing and murder. <laughs> Just is like if you got like a half hour window, you know, you mm -hmm. can just watch part of the show and then catch back up. And then if there's a show that you're going to naturally get hooked to, you can just binge watch it till, you know, you're, you're content. Like I, yeah. I remember the first time, like I didn't watch Breaking Bad when it first came out. I watched the first episode and I wound up watching like six straight, yeah. you know, hooked right immediately. So um, I think it just depends on the show. Like I watched, I just got on Secession. And everybody kept telling me it was a great show. Mm hmm. First four or five are real slow. Like I, it just kind of it's. It, then once you got to episode six, it just boom, it just picked right. up, and right. now it's rolling. So I, I think that it just depends on the level of patience you have with a show. Uh, but I, I always feel like if everybody keeps saying it's good, like mm -hmm. I watch it for myself, and then and then check it out. But I think it just depends on if if you have like a half hour, a free half hour. You don't have to, you don't have to watch like six episodes straight. You can just watch it at, at your leisure and then go okay. back to it. Because I, I mean, I, that's how I feel. Like that's how I've been watching Snowfall. Like I don't sit there and watch the whole episode. Sometimes I'll just watch fifteen minutes here, go back, watch fifteen minutes there. You know, whenever I got a break in the day. So um, that's that's how you can get caught up, honestly. Yeah, that feel, right, it can right. feel intimidating when somebody tells you there's six seasons of a show that's a great show. It's like, wow, that's 72 hours? Like, I exactly. mean, really? 
You know, who has um, that kind of time. But yeah, that's why I me. Mean. I, I I love watching the shows as they're happening. Like I'm loving what's happening with Succession or Righteous Gemstones right now on HBO. Or, mm-hmm. I like. I I just find it's better to watch it as it's happening because it's rare. Like even when I go back, like uh, like the last show that I binged, and I didn't even binge it was Mindhunter on. Netflix, but I probably would watch it two episodes at a time, so mm-hmm. 50 minutes at a time. I'd probably find, like, and especially right before I'm ready to go to bed, it's like, all right, I'll watch this till I go to sleep. Yeah. I think that's the best way to do it, honestly, at the yeah. end of the day. Yeah, yeah, right before you go to sleep, call it a night. See, my, wa- my wife loved Jessica Jones and, and Luke Cage, so we watched that. I remember watching that, but I watched that with her, you know. Yeah. But I didn't watch anything. I don't watch things. The last show I watched on my own and made a point to be in front of the TV every week was The Sopranos. And like my man said, I forget what movie it is. It's over. <laughs> get, <laughs> get over it. It's not coming back. I get that. I understand that. So I don't want to be like, again, I feel so old sometimes that I'm not keeping up with. How did you watch The Wire? I watched, here's the thing, I watched the first two seasons religiously and then I stopped watching. Not because it wasn't good, it was great. I just, again, I don't know, I would, so I'll tell you what happened with The Wire, because I was still working for Turner at the time. So I, I wrote the morning tip column every Sunday night. Yeah, I know. And so I missed, the, I missed everything that was on Sunday night. So that, Boardwalk Empire, all of those shows that came on after The Sopranos that people were raving about, I didn't see any of them. Because I had to write the columns. So I spent all day well into the night and well into Monday morning writing and calling people and interviewing people. So uh, that's how I kind of got out of that practice. And then I felt like, what? Well, I, I don't want I want to catch up with it. So I don't want to watch any new episodes because I'll I'll mm-hmm. I won't know what happened. You know what I mean? So I still got to catch. I got to watch the last five seasons, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, I actually binge watched The Wire because I didn't get naturally hooked on to it right away. And uh, the only reason that I started to like really start binge watching it was because they had a character on the show named Michael Lee. Right. It makes jokes about <laughs> me being him growing up or something. Right. And I was like, wait, let me see this character who has my name. So I got to get on to it. <laughs> and so I wound up uh, uh, latching on to, to The Wire because they had a character with my name. So Did he put respect on your name? Uh, What do you think? Walsh. Yeah, uh, he he um he he ended up being a prominent character, uh, yeah. and yeah, he definitely definitely a respectable character. If mm-hmm. Ultimately, ending up there's, as a there's other characters that I probably wouldn't want to share a name with. He's probably one that I'm. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. Okay. Yo, you guys know that boy who go by the name D's? D's. Yeah, D's nuts. <laughs> Let's bring D.A. into the conversation here. Welcome to Food Comedies. Adjacent on the Athletic Podcast Network. All right, well, um, I appreciate the catch-up on that. Um, We should probably transition now into uh, the hoop because we are, you know, less than a week away from the start of training camp. I mean, it's here. The season's here now. And um, I wanted to pick both of your brains on where things stand and what you are looking for. We talked last week, Mike, about the two L.A. teams and kind of which one was going to be more compelling. And, and I was surprised that Waz said he still thought the Lakers, you know, had to have more juice because I thought, well, the, you know, the Clippers got Kawhi. They got Paul George. You know, they're the team in ascendancy. 
So um, what do you think? And what are the what are the two or three teams you're really intrigued by seeing this year? Um, I, I, I love the Lakers in terms of just the drama and wow. everything okay. that's going to exactly. I think that they are going to be the lightning rod team for a lot of reasons because they have so many players that either you're interested in seeing them ascend or you hate them so much that you just want to see them fail. So there's just so many different characters. I mean, like you already start with LeBron, who's, you know, the, still the biggest star in the game, whether he's the best player or not, you know, whatever. He's mm-hmm. still the biggest. Now you care about him. AD, the way he left, you know, New Orleans, I think people in New Orleans are going to always be salty about that. Mm-hmm. And I think around the country, people just didn't like how that whole situation came down. They want to see how he's going to perform under the bright lights, under pressure, under the scrutiny of being there. Uh, Dwight Howard is just like, <laughs> he's just whatever, you know, you, you just want to see what comes to him. Like you look at him now, he's, he's like got dreads and tattoos. <laughs> It's like, who is this guy now? You don't know who he is. Mm-hmm. You want to see, like, how he performs. Then you throw in Rondo and, and Kuzma and Alice Caruso, who's, like, got this underground, you know, following. People think he's going to be, like, you know, a star. And so I, I just – I think that they have the most juice of any team right now. I, in terms of just interest, I don't know if they're going to be the best team. But whatever comes out of L.A. with the Lakers is probably going to be a bigger deal than what comes out of L.A. with the Clippers – yeah. Because I still think that the voice out of the Clippers, the one who's going to, you know, his words are going to carry the most is still Doc Rivers, you know, because yeah. Kawhi, I think he is going to love the fact that he can be low key, a low-key star in L.A. Um, and I think that, you know, with Paul George, you don't know when he's going to come back and how healthy he'll be when he comes back because he's coming back from two shoulder injuries. Um, I mean, I like what they've done. I like their pieces. I still think they're my favorite to win mm-hmm. in the West. I'm but okay. in, terms, in terms of drama, I it's the other team. You know, one's one's the the circus, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big top and the black top, right? And how they try to contrast them to each other. So yeah, that's 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 where I think it is. Um, and it, the 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 teams that I'm interested in, if we're just going to stick with the West, is I'm really intrigued by the Warriors uh, as well. Um, right. Just seeing Steph and Draymond kind of do their two-man game, you know, until Clay, if Clay comes back, uh, seeing if D'Angelo Russell, you know, can really fit in and sort of help, you know, um, keep them afloat while they wait for him to come back. Um, I'm really intrigued by Willie Cauley-Stein. Yeah. I don't think they've had a big man like him, you know, um, with that with that group of players. I think he'd be great in the pick and roll. I think they just need, like, a real active big, and it'd be nice to see him in a structured situation with good coaching which is something i don't think he's had at any point so um so i'm interested with the warriors uh houston <laughs> i mean the dynamic with russ and uh james i don't think that there'll be a more just intriguing duo just, just given those guys history with yeah. each other and usage rates away from each other like i already know like they put out those uh pictures of them you know, UFC training, and they're like, you know, punching on right, on, right, uh, right. Uh, <laughs> on the bag and everything. And it's like, you already know the, the uh, fighting over the ball jokes are going to be. That's going to be a meme all year uh, with those two. But I'm interested to see how they how they bring it together. Um, and it just, I, I just feel like that those are the probably the teams that that I really wanted to see the most. Uh, I mean, Utah's going to be interesting, um, but Denver. It, you think uh, if Michael Porter Jr. 
he stands out. I, I'm mm-hmm. I'm excited to see him, see what he can do. I, I think actually, you're really going well, yeah, is going to get a lot better. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, for me, honestly, David, uh, Mike over there in Philadelphia, that team intrigues me a lot because mm-hmm. I do think their top end talent is crazy. And it's like I, I find it hard to believe that Milwaukee could beat those guys in a playoff series. I know, like, and Milwaukee's going to come out and win a bunch of games this season again, and Giannis is going to have a monster year. But like, I just don't think they stack up talent wise with what Philadelphia brings to the table. I'm, I'm super intrigued to, to watch how that whole thing comes together. Right? Um, they cashed Ben out. Uh, they, 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 they kept Tobias Harris. Those are their two wing threats. Of course, they brought in Josh Richardson from Miami. I th- like, I think that they're like one to six. They're as good as anybody in the NBA, in my opinion. They're um, not so a I'm, big team in the league. Yeah, I, and, and that's what you need for Giannis, in my opinion. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah, no, you need that size. That's, that's what I loved about them getting Horford, because yep. one, exactly. you you pulled them away from a, a division rival in Boston. Two. You got a guy who can spell Joel whenever he gets low manage or whenever he sits, because usually when he sits, everything just plummets defensively. So he mm-hmm. can, you know, spell Joel. Three, he can guard Giannis. Right. So you can throw three guys at Giannis, who's probably going to be your biggest threat to get out of the East. You can throw Ben at him. You can throw Horford at him. You can even throw Embiid at him because remember he guarded Siakam. Yeah. Is against Toronto, so right. you won't. He won't have any kind of breathing room because it's going to be a lot of size that's going to be thrown at him. And, um, and then just, you know, just his professionalism, just all the things that, that he brings to the table. Um, he really just, I don't know, I don't know how it's going to fit just in terms of, you know, where he's going to be space on the floor. Um, you know, especially since Joel likes to step out and shoot threes from time to time. But I just think just from a perspective of, you know, you got to answer for Giannis and you've heard a, a division rival, um, it made too much sense for them to kind of to add him to their team because, you know, I, I think he's a great piece. Um, and I think right now it's just pretty much a two-horse race with Milwaukee and Philadelphia in the East. 100%. And, I, and I think everybody else is just kind of in the same mix. Like, you know, Boston, you would think they're going to be okay. I, I think they're going to be okay. I don't know what that means. Um, mm-hmm. Indiana, you're still waiting on all the depot to get back. You know, what's Toronto going to be now that Kawhi's gone? Is Siakam ready to make that leap? Um, is OG Ananobi going to be a guy that can bounce back from a real uh, setback season for him, just personally and professionally? Um, what is Brooklyn without KD? You know, how much is how much better is Kyrie than um, D'Angelo Russell, and how how much can he lift them? You know, from where they already are, and then you got these intriguing teams like Atlanta. Um, Miami and Chicago, Detroit, even Orlando. So you got like, you know, six, I think, spots in the, in the East that you can assume are on lock. Then you got like five teams that are battling for the next two. Mm. And so it's, it's, I think it's going to be an interesting thing, but I, I just think that Milwaukee and Philly, like that's that's the that's the two-horse race, you know, going into the, the season. Uh, I, I definitely agree with you about Philly. Um, I, I love Al Horford. I think Al Horford does so many things for a team that never show up in a box score that are all conducive to winning basketball games. I think he will be great for Embiid just in terms of Joel. Look, I love Joel's passion. I love the fact that he clowns people on social media, but he needs, he needed 
a big brother to kind of calm him down just a little bit, <laughs> take the edge off just a little bit. Um, and I think Al will be perfect for that. And he can still ball. So this isn't, you know, 42-year-old Carl Malone going to the Lakers. This is a little guy who's still got some tread left on the tires and can really help you. Um, I, I think Milwaukee's going to miss Brogdon way more than we we realize. Um, yeah. You know, I just think that loss was huge. And conversely, Indiana getting him is going to be big. But like you said, with any, it all depends on how quickly Oladipo can get back to being Oladipo again. But if he if he's himself, then I don't think there's a better backcourt in the league than him and Brogdon to me. Um, you know, but yeah, there's no question. I think Milwaukee and Indy or Milwaukee and Philly are the two teams in the East to beat. Um, you mentioned Houston, and I really I actually think Houston is gonna be a sneaky good team this year. And I think I've so said, too. Yeah, and I've said this many times. The reason why is because of the genuine relationship that Russ has with James Harden. You know, mm -hmm. with Russ and KD, like I always say, it's not like they hated each other. They didn't. But they weren't friends of any kind. They were they worked together. You know what I mean? <laughs> there was next to no relationship off the court. Russ has known has known James Harden since they were nine. Okay, for real, for real. <laughs> you know, so there, there's probably only two or three guys in the whole league that could step to James and say, Pass the fucking ball, okay? Next question. Next question. And Russ is one of them. And conversely, James is one of the two or three guys that can step to Russ and say that with some yeah. credibility. You know, so I think, yeah. So I think that that relationship will, it will just work better. It will work so much better than, you know, trying to make James and in CP3 work, you know, I just think this is a much more natural, real fit. And I just think, I think Houston's going to be going to be really good this year. Now, my one question with them is, can they guard? That I don't know. I don't know if they yeah. can guard. My, you know, my, at the level my they did two question, years ago. My other question for them is, who's going to rise as the pressure rises? You know, because I that's, think... We yeah, that's, my, that's my thing, Mike. I, I, I don't believe in either of those guys in the playoffs. I, like, they just... I haven't seen either one of those dudes be great. And, well, mm -hmm. no, that, I shouldn't say that. Like, Harden had his moments of greatness against Utah and all of that stuff. Like, I shouldn't say that. But, like, mm -hmm. actually be great against a team that is their equal or their better. I've right. never seen either one of those two dudes do that. Or mm -hmm. it's been a very long time since I saw that. So, like... When Mike says he wants to see what they do when the pressure rises, I, I, I think they'll be fine in the regular season. Mm -hmm. But in the playoffs, I just don't see how those two being your your lead guards is going to work, particularly when neither one of them wants to play any perimeter defense. <laughs> so it's like, who's supposed to stop a Kawhi, a LeBron, right. a, a Paul legit. George, or whatever? Um, and, and, you know, Harden still – I mean, not Harden. Russ still can't shoot. Yeah. And he does, and he's not able to get to the line even in the play. Like he's he's kind of quit the last two years trying to get to the line because he can't make free throws anymore. I just I, I don't see it for them in the postseason. Yeah. Oh, you know one thing I forgot about uh, Al Horford and just what he has in Philly is that it also took away one of the few foils for Joel Embiid. Yeah. Was, yes. Okay. Right. Yep. That, right. that solved him. You know, there's only probably Gasol's like the only guy out there now. He's a year older. Right. So who's who is the Embiid stopper out there? They right. got him. 
Yeah, <laughs> they right. add to their team. Right. So that, that that makes them scary in that front too. Um, so yeah, that, that I was just having back on that. But yeah, when it comes to James and Russ, I think it's going to be interesting to see. You know, like you said, when the, like I said earlier, when the pressure rises, are they going to be looking to each other to to bail each other out? Like you're like, hey, can you can you James looking at Russ like, hey, can you go ahead and finish this game? You know, right, right, right. You close this thing out, or Russ looking at James like, hey, James, you you you, you got thirty in the first three quarters. You're gonna close in the fourth. Course, you know? <laughs> and you yep. wonder like mixing business with with pleasure, or just you know, right. that, that that friendship, mixing business with friendship. Sometimes that works out. Sometimes it can lead to some more frustration because I remember, like, it was on a different level. Like, they didn't know each other since nine. But I know that, you know, talking to um, Kyle Lowry last year about, like, when, when they traded, you know, DeMar, yeah. he said he, he sort of felt like he could speak to him freer now that they were apart from each other mm-hmm. than they were together. And I found that kind of interesting because, you know, sometimes you can be too close and like you don't want right. to speak up and say anything. I mean, sometimes you do, but then you also understand like what buttons might yeah. actually you know, hurt somebody or actually get them. Some, sometimes you can get them motivated. Sometimes you can also hurt them. And right. I think right. that that's going to be the balance that they're going to have to find uh, playing with each other, you know, and they haven't really played high stakes basketball with each other since oh, 2012. So They've and they've gone and expanded their games in a way over the last seven years apart that you know they never had to rely on anybody else, um, you know, the way they will now. So, Mike, you mentioned I'm glad you mentioned that because I wanted to talk to you about it. You did a great piece on Kyle Lowry coming back to Philly to his neighborhood in Philly where he grew up and he brought the trophy with him and he and he dapped up everybody and and you know about the whole thing about you know how hard it was for him to get out and how grateful he was to be able to come back and share the title with everybody. So that's my way of kind of getting to what do we expect from Toronto? You mentioned Siakam and he's obviously going to have to do a lot more this year, but on the other hand, they will have Marcus all for a full season this time. Instead of coming in, they do get on Ananobi back. They still have Lowry. Uh, they still have Van Vliet. Um, so but they don't have Kawhi, and you don't replace Kawhi Leonard. You just don't. It doesn't work that way. So what do we expect from them, you know, this season? Uh, really, I think – I don't think – I have not heard anybody credibly suggest that they have a realistic chance of defending the championship. <laughs> no, I mean, only person I've heard say it is Kyle. Right. You know, right. Competitor. <laughs> He's not going to uh, give it, give in, you know, to that. And plus he's going to be motivated. You know, um, you mentioned the older guys like him, uh, Serge Ibaka and um, Marcus Saul, they're all in the last year, their, their deals. Um, so it, I think in some ways it's actually good that they're, you know, going to be entering free agency because it sort of, you know, eliminates that malaise that comes mm-hmm. up to win a championship where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm set now. I'm good. Now it's like, well, yeah, I'm set, but I want to get paid again. So how right. hard am I going to play? You know, in a contract year. So I think you still see those guys playing, you know, at a high level. Um, I have a lot of confidence in their player development and, you know, in terms of what they've been able to do with their young players, like you mentioned, Van Vliet and Siakam. Um, I think they're still going to get better. And then you add a guy like Stanley Johnson, who I think is, you know, hasn't really taken off the way anybody expected in Detroit mm-hmm. or anywhere else. And I think that they have a chance to work with him and sort of, you know, push him along. Um, you know, last year, Oji Ananobi had, you know, a situation with his father passing and he went to Africa a couple of times and there were some 
some uh, things messed up with his visa and yeah. he just and then he was sick and he was hurt and there was just so many things that I think held him back but going into that season I remember you know everybody was high on him they thought mm-hmm. he would be the guy that would have the Siakam type season and now you got Siakam up for you know his extension or you know he'll be a restricted free agent next summer I think you're gonna see even better out of him um so I think they're gonna be pretty good um mm-hmm. Because I don't think people gave the other Raptors enough credit for how they beat the, yeah. the Warriors in the, in the finals. I think everybody sort of right. well, Kawhi was the Finals MVP. Look with him just dragging these guys, you know, to the That's championship. Right. And that wasn't the case in the finals, especially. You know, you had Siakam get 32 in Game One. You know, you had Kyle Lowry get you know 26 and 10 in the closeout game. You had Serge have that game where I think he was. Like it was like he was just perfect from the field. It felt mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. Uh, for most of the night in Game Four, I think he just hit every shot. So you've had all you know guys that, that stepped up and performed, and I think that um you know I think that they're they're gonna have a little bit of a chip you know because everybody's gonna be counting them out. Um, so I I think they're they're definitely I think they're gonna be in the top four in the in the East. I don't know if they'll be three just yet because like um you know with Indiana. You know, I think that they'll they'll be okay. I think Boston, um, I think they'll be pretty competitive as well. But I think Toronto is is right there. I think they're still a top four team in the East. See, Mike, I I, I actually am super interested in Toronto for the opposite reason. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm interested in the fire sale mm. because uh-huh. honestly, that that move that that brought. Mark Gasol to the team. And I remember there was like, well, Gasol is, is, you know, he's kind of a prideful guy. Will he come off the bench? And Nick Nurse got them to platoon sometimes. And then, and then you saw in that series against Philadelphia, he would play them, him and Ibaka together. I'm interested in them because I think Ibaka specifically as a trade ship, he could take a couple of teams to just another level, mm-hmm. right? Like I think about Portland. Mm-hmm. If you put him on Portland and they are a completely different team and they're a serious team at that. Like, I know what we're supposed to think about Whiteside and whatever he respects <laughs> Dave Lillard. And I'm just saying if that was Ibaka rather than Whiteside, we'd be talking about Portland or I would be thinking about them a lot differently. Right. right? Um, I, I think that goes for, or you could say Kyle, like if he goes somewhere like Miami, not to say that that would turn into a championship team, but right. shoot, I, w- I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they could beat Milwaukee. If you put Kyle on that team. Um, I just think, and, and Marcus all the same thing. I just think they have pieces that could be the Marcus all of last year's Toronto team mm-hmm. for other teams. And, you know, most importantly, um, Masai has the juice to do it. Right. Oh, yeah. Like he has right. the backing. Um, yeah. He has the credibility within his organization and within the fan base. Mm-hmm. You know, like, yeah, I shipped DeMar DeRozan now, but look what happened. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he has the credibility <laughs> and the cachet to, for the fire. So, so that's why I'm paying attention to Toronto, because I think those three guys, Kyle, Mark and Ibaka, especially, um, they could make a huge difference on some other teams. Yeah. Yeah, well, they could. I'll be surprised if they move them off just because I think knowing how pri- how prideful Masai is, I think Masai wants to give that group every chance it can to try and defend its championship, even though it's not likely that they will. But I could see them going out on the going out on their swords. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 
you know, walking off, not, not literally walking off the court like the Pistons did back in the day, but, you know, you're going to have to kill us to beat us, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, and then maybe after this year, he will, well, he certainly won't be sentimentally traded to Rosen. So he's, there's no sentimentality when it comes to him improving the team. Um, but I think he's going to give them at least this year to see what they can do. And then maybe after this year, he could do that. But I see your point. I know what you're saying, because they could they could not only be difference makers for other teams, but Toronto could get a couple of maybe young prospects that they could put into that pipeline and, and they'd right. be back in business in a year or so. Right. So. And, and, you know, and conversely to what I just said, if, if, if somehow the next AD disgruntled guy came on the market, right, right, you know, right. he's like, shit, I got Van Vliet. I got Siakam. Yeah. What, what's right. up? Talk to me. Right, you know? right, right, right. So, yeah. They're in a position to do multiple things, but I just feel like that fire sale is around the corner. It could be. I mean, you might you might be right. They got off to a bad start, and it looks like you know they're not going anywhere around All Star. I mean, I think I think it would be easy for him to trade Ibaka. I don't think you know Serge is to play well up there, but he's certainly not beloved. I don't think. Yeah. I think it would be harder for him to trade Lowry just because Lowry was really one of the catalysts for them building yeah. the thing up into a championship team. And then actually, to Mike's point, playing big in the biggest game in the franchise's history and making shots down the stretch and not stepping to the, to the full Warriors owner who, who cl- tried to try to yeah. get in his face in that game. Yeah, instead of, like, choking him out, he didn't do nothing. Well, Dave, what he needs to do is get on the phone with Sam Presti and figure out what voodoo it takes to convince a fan base that y'all didn't, one, <laughs> want to trade the guy, and two, the guy didn't ask to be traded. He needs to figure out how to get that spin machine going with Sam Presti. <laughs> well, Sam, Sam, Sam always has an explanation for what they did. I'll put it that way. <laughs> Hey, either one of y'all think OKC got a chance in the playoffs to make the playoffs? No. Are you kidding? No. Zero. None. Done. Zero. 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 No. I don't think OKC so. make the playoffs? I'm, I'm yeah. no. 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 Mike. I, no. No. no Mike. I, I, mean, oh, okay. I mean, if we go, if we go, I mean, just off the top <laughs> of my head. Trash. Okay. Wait, okay. Off the top of my head. You got both LA's. You got Golden State. You got Denver. You got Utah. You got Houston. That's six. Then you got San Antonio isn't going to suck and Portland. That's eight. <laughs> Are know? they going to be better than Sacramento this year? Who's that? OKC. I mean, yeah. I don't. I think and Sac and Sac is is yes, getting is getting close there. I think they're four teams battling for that last that last spot. I think they're seven locks. Yeah, I just I don't see. I don't know how. I mean, all due respect, all due respect, I mean, Steven Adams is a, is a really good center, okay? Don't get me wrong. He's a really good center. And I think I think SGA, uh, Shy Gilgis-Alexander, has got the chance to be a really good point guard, which which me, which leaves me dumbfounded why CP3 is still there. I don't know why he's still on the roster as we speak, but but he is, you know, exactly. I mean, why, you know how competitive he is, like – he ain't. He's not gonna sit there and like he. He's furious. He's pissed that he got traded. Right. Exactly. Right. He's pissed that he's Oklahoma. Yeah. He's so, pissed that so, people think that he can't play anymore. Right. I think he's gonna be fired up. Why like, he isn't Mike, in Miami right now is just. A, I, it's just. It's beyond my comprehension. Why that deal well, hasn't been made yet. Well, <laughs> Mike, he's pissed that his hamstring and knees. I mean, he can be pissed <laughs> he wants to be, but like. <laughs> 
know he is what he is at this point, man. Like, I, and I love, I, and I've been a Chris Paul cape, cape having person for years now. I love Chris Paul, but at the end of the day, like, what is he supposed to like? The reason he hasn't been moved is because he's not the guy he used to be. Yeah, in my I, opinion, I think the Miami thing, uh, really is has to do with that third year. You know, right, 20, right, right, right. All these free agents hit the market again, possibly. Yeah. Um, I think Miami wants to make sure they have that, and he's not giving up that third year because he's right. not ever that much money again. So I think that's really the hold up in the deal. It's like he's not willing to give up that last year of his contract, and Miami wants to make sure that they're going to be poised to make big moves again in two years. So right. I, I, I get why he's stuck, but I mean Gallinari, I think is underrated. I think he was really good last year for the Clippers. Mm. Um, and I'm looking at their roster and it's, I mean, getting rid, trading uh, Jeremy Grant, I thought that was big for Denver. I thought that was a exactly. big thing. It's a huge move for Denver. Surprised that they gave up on him. I, I, I thought that they meant that they were going to just blow the whole thing up, but they haven't. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's waiting to see how competitive, is, competitive they're going to be. But I, I think, I, I, don't, I don't see them as being like some you know, crappy lottery team. I think they're going to be in the hunt most of the year just because, just because, I don't know, maybe I have too much confidence in Chris. I, I just, I just feel like he's going to be, he's going to be probably more fired up than he's been in the last three or four years. Well, it'll be funny. To, it's, we talked to Jason Jackson last week uh, about the heat and, and, and the question I have for him. And, and he said, you know, that's a good question is, is can Riles save himself from Riles? You know, I think what what you're saying, and I and I mentioned this, it makes perfect sense for Miami. Don't do anything until 21. You're going to have 70 million coming off your cap the next two years with players that are under contract now that'll be expiring. You know, um, I get it. I get it. You know, Dragic and and James Johnson and all the guys that they signed a couple of years ago, they're all going to be off in two years. But will Riles be able to sit there and do nothing and not try to sneak into that seventh or eighth or fifth or sixth spot in the East? Because if you go get CP3, you're going to be a playoff team in the East, you know, and and will he be able to have the discipline not to pull the trigger on that? I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, one thing we know for sure is Rob right, right Dance. We saw his, his moves with Dwayne yeah, Wade on that, know, on that right. ship. Right, right. That was Yeah, and, and you know what, Dave? It's like all of these contracts that you say coming off the bu- books, it, mm-hmm. it, they were mm-hmm. all like revenge. Like, oh, we're going to win anyway, LeBron. I'm about to spend Warren Trojic all of this money. Look at Whiteside. I'm going to pay him. I'm going to pay Tyler Johnson. We're going to win at all costs without you, LeBron. Like, that's the reason they're in this predicament. Like, his ultra-competitive nature. So, you know... Bosh. Let's not forget about that too. That oh yeah, well yeah. Chris Bosh did get you know he 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 had to retire early because of a medical condition. But yeah. all of that stuff was because he was like, we have to win right now, again. Blue out dang, down. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I take that as a competitive thing, but you try to test me. And by nine times out of ten, the Well, well, how you doing, man? I'm good. Can't complain. Cannot complain. Like, like the beast on, uh, on Zion, man. I found myself laughing through most of it because I, <laughs> I was like, I was like, the, the signature Jordans all have been trash. It's, it's, it's just a fact. I mean, you yeah. hate to say it, but it, it's true. Like, yeah. you hate to say it. It's all, you know, Marshalls type of stuff. You go into Marshalls and TJ Maxx and go to their shoe rack, you can find some Chris Pauls <laughs> for sure. It's yeah. crazy. 
the team, Jordan. That, that don't even count, right? Not even... <laughs> <laughs> do you like do you like the, the new the ones that Zion was dunking in? I'm not mad at those actually. That's the funny thing. Like those came out as I was writing this, and I was like, these aren't terrible. I don't know that they're gonna like. I would hoop in them for sure. I don't know that they're gonna move into the you know the other you know, realm. The other I realm. think he's so special. He could break the mold. Because he's just, like, that you know, magnetic. It's so weird. Why are they still coming out with the, like, the the 34s? Like, at this point, why, don't, why are they still doing that? So I, I, I take that as a competitive thing, but you trying to test me. His name is, is still relevant. It's still Jordan. Yeah. I, I just don't understand why you got to brand it as in the same lineage. I, I don't know. It just seems weird to me that, like, you would purposely want people to draw the comparison between that sneaker, like the 34s, and the Jordan 3s. Like, yeah, you, know, you don't want to invite that comparison. Like, no, this is something else. That was special. This is, now we're starting some other special thing. But like, because as a consumer, I'm going to be like, well, that ain't this. So why, why would know, I fuck with it? I remember when they first came out, you know, and how I wanted a pair and everything. So like as an adult, when I had money, I bought them because it's like I fantasize about having them as a kid. My parents wouldn't afford it. He threw another log on that fire for me. You know, you see it. The thing that made the shoes so special and why everybody loves them is because they're so simple. Because they're so simple. Let's bring DA into the conversation here. Hold up. Let's be real for a minute. I'm Carmelo Anthony. Stay mellow, my friends. Stay mellow. Welcome to Hoops. It's because they're so simple. Stay mellow, my friends. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot now to, to the great debate of 2019 going into a presidential election year. This is a much more significant debate that Mike Lee and I have been having all summer, Waz. And we're going we're gonna to re, relive it here because this is probably the only time we're going to talk about the Wizards for a minute. So um, here's Mike's contention is that the Wizards should bring Carmelo here to D.C. and play with the Wizards this year. My contention is I think... I would rather they blow up this building that I'm in right now <laughs> and play oh and play in Southeast over over at the Goodman League than bring Carmelo in here for a number of different reasons, almost none of which have to do with Carmelo as a person. But, Mike, I'm going to let you have the floor. Make your case. All right. So the Wizards are going to stink this year. They are going to be trash. They are going to be one of the worst teams in the league by a lot, okay? And they cannot sell this team to these people. They have a billboard up or their 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 flyer that they're trying to promote to sell to fans has Thomas Bryant and Rui Huchimura on it. And I guarantee you that 9 out of 10 people in D.C. don't know who those two guys are. They don't know who they are. So you have a team of players that – Half of the fans cannot name. Okay, <laughs> you have Bradley Bill, right? They everybody can name John Wall. John Wall's not playing this year. Right. So you have Bradley Bill and a bunch of dudes, no name dudes. So you already are, you're not going tickets. No one's coming to watch you play basketball. Mm. So if you sign Melo, you already answer one question because at least people want to see if he can still play. People mm-hmm. at least interested. He still has enough of a name that people are going to come see. And he grew up. A few miles up I-95 in Baltimore, and, you know, he knows the community. <clears throat> they know him. This could be the best place for him to go out and still 
not necessarily have a fan a farewell tour, but at least have fans and people who appreciate and know what he's given to the game and love him. Because he's not going back to the Knicks. He's not going to New York. Nice. He's not going back to Denver for how things ended there with the Nuggets. That things ended poorly there, and he asked out, forced his way out. And ownership is not necessarily going to be supportive of bringing him back in. So he has lost his two homes, his two main homes. Mm-hmm. So that leaves Washington because that's the only place he's going to have some sentimental value, and you can sell him immediately to the fans. So then. Your number one draft pick was Rui from Japan. Who was his favorite player? Carmelo Anthony. He could come in and automatically serve a mentorship role for Rui, help him understand how to work in the mid-post, maybe you know help him develop other aspects of his game, maybe develop a jab step, because we know Melo did that for years. And if you look at just what he did in Oklahoma City and, and Houston, there's this misconception that Carmelo was – Allen Iverson type, refusing to come off the bench, refusing to be a role player, refusing to fit into anything. That's the opposite of what he did. He bought into a role in Oklahoma City, just didn't fit. We don't even know what his role was in Houston, but he never had any time to actually fulfill it because he was cut after 10 games. And most of that time, Chris or James was hurt. So you never even got to see him play with the two stars. Only thing you know only way you know Carmelo was on the Rockets last year is because he was on the floor when they fought the Lakers. It's the only way you know he was a member of that team. So you don't even know what he's doing. Everybody says he's capable of still contributing. So why not put him on a team that has no hope? You're not going to sell tickets. And he can help your best player get better. He can also, you know, handle some of the scoring load. Because right now, who's the second leading scorer going to be after Bradley Bill? I can't even name it. So... All I'm saying is give Melo a chance, and if it doesn't work out, you know, you move on. And if you're Melo, I think it could work out both ways because you can come to D.C., you can rebuild your reputation, you can prove to everybody that you can play a role and be a good, solid citizen, even for a crappy team. And then at the trade deadline, if you want to play for a contender, they will have seen four months of your work and say, you know what, he's not as bad as we thought. And they might actually trade for you. You might have a chance to go out and play for something. So I think it works both ways. I think the Wizards, they have nothing to lose because Carmelo's not a bad dude. We've already said that. And I think he's been humbled by this entire experience. I think he's willing to play whatever role he sees fit. And I think if you want to sell somebody to the community, why not sell somebody who knows the area and the area already knows? So there we go. For the win. That was a cogent, well thought out, Incredibly persuasive, dynamic, thoughtful, and wonderful presentation. And now I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> so, Don't do it, man. Don't do it. Point, I'm the- point, point one. The Wizards, as you said, are going to stink this year. <laughs> okay. Point two. Nothing is going to change that. <laughs> They're going to and stink. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't want it to change. Right. He, he's not going to disrupt your plans. Right. You're still going to be bad. Point three. The Wizards have spent the last 15, 20 years doing everything wrong when it comes to how to develop a team. Whether it was picking the wrong guys to build wrong. And as much as I loved watching Gilbert play, and he was one of the most intriguing players I've seen in the last 20 years in the whole league. So it's like everybody became skillful. It wasn't just the shooting guard in the center. 
And they will do a 30 for 30 about Gilbert and D.C. It's a matter of time. It was that compelling and that interesting. But it turns out he was the wrong guy to build around. <laughs> they built around the wrong guy. Then they brought in Wall and Beale. Beale couldn't stay healthy the first three or four years. And John hasn't been able to stay healthy the last three or four years. It's not that they were the wrong guys. It's that they can't, you can't keep them on the floor together. So they are now going to the model that everybody else in the NBA has gone through the last eight to 10 years, which is we're starting over. We're going to start bringing in multiple young players from every place we can think of, whether it's through the G League, second round of the draft. We'll get, we're back in the business of having second round, actually using our second round picks on actual players to come in and might get better. Signing, being smart, signing a guy like a Thomas Bryant off the waivers who ha, who's young and maybe and has some upside and maybe can help you. And I'm getting in on a trade to get you Davis Bertans from San Antonio, who is a flat out shooter. All those moves make complete sense to me. All of them. If you like Hachimura, you take him fine. That's what you, you're paid to do is to make a decision on who you take. That's what they did. They're all in now. We're going to develop these young guys. Troy Brown also who's finally gotten out of jail, out of Scott Brooks jail. He's <laughs> actually going to play next year or this year. We're going young. We're going to play the young guys. We're going to sign some more young guys. We're going to do what Atlanta did. We're going to do what Brooklyn did. We're going to do what the Clippers did. We're going to do what Philly did. We're going to build from within. And if we hit on one or two of these young guys, so much the better, so much further we're ahead. We're still going to have to get lucky in the lottery and, again, pick, get the right guy, okay? There's nothing wrong with that plan. It's a legit plan. Calm down. You cannot introduce Carmelo Anthony into that plan. Why? Why not? Why can't you do it? Not happening. I, this is why. I, I, okay. I, 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 this. My thing about Carmelo is, I don't think he. You can't put him on a bad team, because like, one, if your team is bad, it's because you got young guys and you want them to play and quote unquote develop. So it's like, not happening. What's the point of having Carmelo, who's not going to help you win and is going to be sour that players that are clearly not better than him? are getting more playing time than him. That's why I don't think you can put him on a bad team. I think he needs to be on a really good team, and that's the only way for it to work. Hold up. Let's be real for a minute. Because that's the only way he's going to respect the process and the order of what's happening. I would like to see him on Philadelphia. Like, be a backup power forward, maybe get eight to nine minutes a game, and, you know, your only job is to be just that, a backup four. You clearly can't guard wings. Mm -hmm. And even though some people might say uh, Tobias and Ben are fours, but they can guard perimeter players. That's what makes it important, right? Like, yeah, sure, they can guard fours, but more importantly, they can guard perimeter players, which frees up your four spot for somebody else. Um, I think he just has to be on a really good team, uh, whether it be them, even a Portland, I think, could use Carmelo. Because, you know, they've gotten rid of all of their hybrid three and four guys like Harkless and all these other people. Mm -hmm. um, Aminu, et cetera, et cetera. Not that Melo's ever been, you know, an Aminu type, like do whatever it takes to make the team win. I just think they have a hole there. And they're really good, right? So, like, when, the, when he's not playing and they continue to win anyway, 
that issue doesn't come up. I think that the main problem for Carmelo right now is that he couldn't make a shot that year in OKC, and he couldn't make a shot in that cup of coffee he had with Houston. And so people are looking at him like, bro, if you can't shoot, what what is your purpose here? You're not beating people one-on-one anymore. You've never been somebody who cared about defense. Um, you, You've been a good, decent to good playmaker in your career, and you've been a good rebounder when you wanted to in your career. I think that's what he's going up against. Like, he couldn't make a shot. His last few stints in the league, he just was even open, you know, um, catch-and-shoot stuff. He just couldn't knock stuff down, and I think that's what people are holding against him outside of the whole ego, former superstar, at the end of the rope type of thing. Uh, I just think he has to be on a good team if this thing is going to work because he's going to complain if he's if he's not playing. I'm going to give you a spot where I think he could be really good and he could really help them. Miami. He could help them. They don't run, okay? That's not a team that's looking to get up and down the floor and, you know, they don't jack up 33s a game. They shoot, three, they shoot threes, but, you know, they're not going to be a tempo team. They're a half-court team. That's perfect for him. You know, they but, care defensively. As it's, That's what I was They teach say. defense down there. Eric Spolster, you got to play defense down there. So even yeah. a guy like Carmelo that's not a good defender, but he's got four other guys. He'll have four other guys around him who are most of the time that can help him out, you know, and they do need somebody besides Jimmy to get some points. So you can throw the ball into Carmelo and let him post people up and maybe get fouls and get to the foul line so you can set up your defense. That's a spot that would make sense for him to go play on. A good team that needs another guy to help carry the load offensively and that you can cover for defensively. That's the other thing. Who is going to help Carmelo out defensively on this squad? <laughs> There's no, they don't have anybody who can play defense on this squad. I just think it's a bad fit because they're, they're going to be so bad. They're going to stink. And, and to, to put Carmelo in there at this point, I, and again, if if they, if you tell me they're going to stink and they're going to let Carmelo play 25 minutes a game, all right, because I know he's not going to care, right? It's like, all right, cool. I'm still getting my minutes. I still get to put up my shots. I still get to do what I do. But what, like, what? I, I just can't understand why they would do that. Why they would? Play well, I know that, that they don't want to. But yeah. I, like, I, I hear your arguments, and I feel like, yeah, there are, I, I'm using this as a stepping stone to the next thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he ends the season in in Washington. Then mm-hmm. he comes and plays basketball and proves that he can still play again. Because right now, there's no place for him to play. Mm-hmm. You talk about like Miami or Portland or the Clippers or any of these good teams. The Nets, I guess. We're out there in the mix uh, or mentioned as a possibility. So all these good teams that have, you know, aspirations of doing big things, Philly or whatever, they don't want to touch him right now, right? Mm. They, they, don't, they, don't, they don't know if he can play. Where is he going to prove that he can play? Mm. He can't play in the big three right now. <laughs> so if you, if you put him on the Wizards, they're going to be bad. He's going to get opportunity because, one, they, had, they got a ton of injuries. They, right. they, they, they lost C.J. Miles to injury. Troy Brown's hurt now. Isaiah Thomas is hurt now. They have no body. They have no healthy bodies. Why not just let the dude come in there, rehab his image, rehab, rehab his reputation, and he's going to come in there. He's going to have to be humble. He's going to have to buy in. It may not. It may sour on him, but like he was sour his entire time in Oklahoma City. You didn't know it until he left, though. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, so, I, yeah. I, 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 you're, I, Mike. I get you. I understand the argument. I really do. I mean, it's not that it's a bad argument. I just, 
to me yeah. is like every minute he's on the floor is a minute that somebody else who, who you want to develop isn't on the floor. Like a guy like Isaac Bonga, who they got in the Lakers trade that, you know, literally nobody knows what he is. I don't know what position does he play. I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I have no idea. But the way you find out is you put him on the floor and you see what he can do and you can see and you see what he can't do. And um, to me, that's what this next year or two or three, maybe for the Wizards is going to be all about is putting these young guys like him and Troy Brown and Admiral Schofield and all these young cats that they that they are that they brought in here to see what they can do and see what they are, who they are and see if they can get better. You know, like I think, I, I think you can do all of that, but I'm, I'm just looking at it just from a business perspective. Nobody's paying to see that. No question. Their attendance is going to god awful this year. No question. There's, there's no question. And, and Melo will help. He could help along the margins of that. No, there's no doubt that he, he would. Some people would come to see Melo. Um, and that's true because the attendance is going to be dreadful and awful. But the fact that they made all of the moves that they made in the off season, you know, they didn't resign the, their veteran players that that had. They tried to get to the playoffs with last year. You know John's going to be out all season. So to me, the next year or two or maybe three in, in D.C. is going to be all about can these young guys get better? Can these young guys improve to the point where they become, where you get a Spencer Dinwiddie out that, that nobody expected or a Kevin Herter or somebody like that, guys that, that you developed and became good players on your watch. That's what this team needs to do first and foremost is find somebody that can get better. You know, so to me, every minute that Carmelo's, every shot he takes, everybody that's on the floor is a shot or a minute that one of these young guys could have used to get better. Because Carmelo is what he is. And I'm not saying that that's, that's not without value. I just don't think it's valuable on this team where they are right now. It just it, to me, it doesn't make sense. But you know, I could be wrong. I've been wrong about other things before in my life, one or two. I, I have to, and you know, <laughs> I, 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 what I'm saying, I, I want to see the man. I want to see the man go out on better terms than he did. I do. I do too. Look, we all love Carmelo as a guy, and and I yeah. think he's a much. And I think as I think he got caught like some other guys did in a in a league that 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 changed overnight. You know. <laughs> And the yeah. things that, that that he was good at suddenly became devalued, and the things that he was bad at suddenly became magnified. So I would love for him to go to a place where he can play and contribute and help a team win, because I still think he can do that, whether it's Miami or maybe the Lakers, you know, a team that has, you know, more, all again, guys, that, a team that's going to play more half court, which is his strength. Um you know, I hope he does too, because I like Melo. Melo's always been cool with me. We've always gotten along. Melo's always been good with the media, no matter where he was. He never big timed any of us. He always gave us time, um, and he's been a good, a good dude off the floor in terms of the charities and and doing things in the community. And the fact that he spent time in Rio and the favelas and the poorest, poorest neighborhoods of Rio, you know, just to me speaks volumes about what kind of guy he is. So. I would love and for I, him to end his career the right way. And I would love for him to do it at, at, at a place where he has some sentimental value. And I just, I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. yeah I, I, I just, for me, the pro, my problem for Melo is 
his attachment to his identity as a player, as a scorer, is what's really hindering him in this team search. Um, I think if people, because, so for me, the key example is Paul Pierce, right? Where nobody thought, this, his reputation was in the dumps before they went and got Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen to be on that team. People just didn't think he was a winner. They thought he was selfish. They thought he would, didn't care. He had a, t- like, you could just go back and read the coverage. Like, his reputation was in the dumps. And then, you know, and he definitely didn't have an um, a reputation for being, like, some guy who really cared about defense, for sure. Um, and then I watched this guy guard Kobe Bryant up and down the fucking court in the 2008 finals. <laughs> busting his ass on defense. Killing himself on defense, guarding LeBron, doing all kinds. And he's, it's not like Paul Pierce was some ultra athlete who just finally unlocked it. He just started caring, you know, and he went out and he did it. I ain't never seen anything close to that from Carmelo. Well, ever. Carmelo didn't play with KG. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. K, KG had that kind of effect on a man. <laughs> yeah, K, K had KG. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, nah, I mean, KG is a d- different cat, man. I mean, you, you, j- he does things from a team standpoint that nobody ever knows about that are incredible in terms of team building and chemistry and all those things. I mean, he's just, he was a one of a kind player and a one of a kind influence. But you're, no, watch, you're absolutely right. I mean, Paul, Paul completely benefited uh, from a, an insurgence of, of fresh blood, new talent. Um, that got him to, to sell out in ways that he hadn't before. And I thought, again, I thought when he was here, that was one of the greatest seasons I've ever, certainly one of the greatest playoff runs I've ever seen a guy have. And really in terms of being a leader, even though he didn't play a lot during the regular season, but the respect that John Wall and Bradley Beal have for him and the fact that, that they went to another level because he was on the team, it was, it was an incredible lesson to me. And, how a guy who really has respect around the game can influence a team and make a team better. There's no question about it. No question about it. So I think we're going to wrap there. This is a good, great discussion, fellas, as always. And I, I thank, thank uh, Michael for coming on with us this week and certainly thank Waz for, as always, for educating and illuminating. And uh, we will do it again next week with camps open. And, uh, Mike, any, any idea where you'll be next week for camp? Well, I'm, I'm headed to Brooklyn, uh, okay. and I'll be in Philly, so to start, okay. and then from there we'll see what how things play out. Okay, but. okay, all right. So, um, yeah, no, we'll definitely uh, we'll we'll be somewhere next week. And um, as always, thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. Yeah. All right, lady, y'all. All right, all right, all right, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right, cool. Stay mellow, my friends. Hold up, let's be real for a minute. Stay mellow. Let's be real for a minute. Hold up. Let's be real for a minute. Calm down. Don't.